Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to healthcare. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us again for what I believe is episode 53 of To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. I am Jim Morrow. I'm here in my coming uh, family medicine office here in my remote studio, if you will, uh, where just a few minutes ago we were going through microphone after microphone trying to get something to work. And I just pray you can hear me. And if you can't, throw up your hand and I'll try to talk louder. Uh, no matter how much you use technology, it's wonderful when it works and it makes you want to just cringe when it doesn't. So right now, I think you can hear me, John. You're there in your luxurious home studio <laughs> where the technology always rocks. Can you hear me? No, I went through it a few weeks ago, so I know what you mean. It's tough. So Yeah, we did a whole podcast a few weeks ago, and I sounded like Charlie Brown's mother so uh, or school teacher, whichever she was. Um, but this is episode 53, and we're very excited today. I, I just appreciate people listening to the podcast, subscribing to the podcast, and the fact that they will spend some time listening to what I have to offer. Uh, it still blows my mind that people will, but I hear from somebody every week that they're listening to the podcast, and it means an awful lot. So thank you all very, very much. Uh, today, I'm going to talk a little bit about coronavirus because everybody does. And then mainly uh, for the rest of the podcast, I want to talk about what, in my opinion, the patient experience should be like at a, especially primary care practice, maybe at any practice, but certainly at a primary care practice. So we're going to talk about the patient experience, if you will. So about coronavirus, uh, really what I want to talk about is related to the vaccines. We now have three vaccines. And here in the state of Georgia now, if you're over 16 years old, you're eligible to get a vaccine. So if you are over 16 and have not been vaccinated, I do hope you'll get out and try to find a location where you can get vaccinated against the coronavirus. It is our way back. It is our way home. It's our way away from all of this we've had to deal with for so long now, for a year now. I walk in the exam room and see somebody and I'm so excited. I can shake their hand and I'll tell them I got my vaccine and we'll shake your hand. And it just, it feels normal. And after a year of bumping knuckles with 85 year old little ladies, it, it really feels better because there's just something weird about that. Um, so three vaccines, Pfizer, Moderna, those are both mRNA vaccines. They're both two shots apiece. And then the newer Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is not mRNA. It's, it's a, an adenovirus that infects chimpanzees and that doesn't infect humans in an illness kind of way. So they took that virus and they plugged in a little bit of coronavirus RNA that makes the spike protein and you get it and it makes you react to the spike protein so you're immune to it when next time your body sees it. And it's only one shot. Now, the difference in the vaccines more than anything else is that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, they, they published data saying that they are 60 plus percent effective at preventing infection, period. And people see that and they think, well, I don't want a vaccine that's only 60% effective because this other one's 95% effective. And, and so people might shy, shy away from the J&J vaccine. And I don't think you should because it is 100% effective at preventing severe illness, hospitalization, and death. 
And if you think about it, that's the really the main thing we're after is try to keep people to not get horribly sick, not get in the hospital, not die from coronavirus. So I tell people every day that to me, the best vaccine for you is the one you have access to. If you can get a vaccine, get it. Never miss an opportunity to vaccinate, which is what uh, Daniel Griffin on This Week in Virology always says. I don't want to steal that line from him without giving him credit for it, but never miss an opportunity to vaccinate. And I think that's very important that we do that. So if you have an opportunity to do that, if you don't know where to go, you can go to myvaccinegeorgia, I believe it's .org, and uh, it'll give you a list of places where you can get vaccinated. And I hope people will do that because that's what we need to be doing. It's very important. We need to get a huge percentage of people vaccinated so we can move on with our lives for the most part. So that's what I've got to say about coronavirus. We are seeing less and less uh, active infection here at the practice uh, every week. And uh, we're excited about that. That's really good news. That's a combination of time of year and, and vaccines and people doing the right thing and so forth. But people have been pretty smart about it. So that's, that's good. I started Mara Family Medicine, which is now a part of Village Medical, 10 years ago. June will be 10 years ago. And I did this mainly because I wanted to bring my brand of family medicine to the people in our community. I'd been able to do it in a practice previously, and it got to where it wasn't really exactly the kind of thing I wanted to present to people. So I left and I opened this practice. And I firmly believe that for the vast majority, we have been able to do exactly that. And the reason that people seem to be happy here, and I, I think they are, they've been uh, telling us they are, they've blessed us by voting us best of Forsyth and best of North Fulton every opportunity they've had, and we appreciate that so much. But uh, number one, I think we enjoy our work. Uh, everybody here at the practice, I believe, enjoys what they're doing. They are uh, happy. Uh, that comes across. They're not uh in a, in a horrible mood all the time. And that certainly comes across when you are. So I think that has a lot to do with it. It's a fun environment. People are forever laughing. Uh, our lab tech, you can hear her laughing throughout the entire office. And I just cackle every time I hear it. Uh, but I like being in the exam room talking to a patient and you hear laughter outside the door. You know, someone's talking to a patient, they're having a good time laughing. It's very collegial. It's, it's a family atmosphere. And I think that has a lot to do with it. And I know that comes from the top down. I do my best. I'm not perfect at doing that. I have my days like everybody else, but I certainly try to present the front of we're happy. We're glad to be here. And it's true. It's true. So another thing is expectations. We try to keep in mind what patients expect when they come to the doctor. We know that many times, most times, for uh, I really think I'm willing to say, people are not at their best when they're coming to the doctor. And that might be because they're sick or it might be because they just don't want to be here, but they're certainly not at their best. And if you're sick or anxious or upset about something, it, it, it comes across. And if you're met with someone as a staff member who is not happy about being there or not happy in some way, then that's just a collision waiting to happen. So we try to avoid that. And I've always said that if you go to the doctor, come to see me at least, you shouldn't feel worse just for having gone to the doctor. You know, the experience of going to the doctor shouldn't make you feel worse. And it certainly can. And I've been 
to the doctor when that happened. And I think that's a, a really a really avoidable and unnecessary outcome. One of the most important things about the patient experience doesn't even happen when the patient's at the office, and that's communication. Now, there's certainly communication before you come, while you're here, and after, but the communication afterward, I think, is one of the most important parts of being a good family physician, being a good family practice, being a place where people will want to come when they're not at their best and when they're concerned or they're scared and so forth. So I pretty much built this practice by telling people, we will respond to you in what you feel is a timely manner. And if you think about it, that's different in everybody's head. But if the patient perceives that we did not respond to them in a timely manner, doesn't matter if that time is 12 hours or 12 days, we failed their expectations. And that's not what we want. So I, I tell them all, if we don't respond to you in a timely manner, let us know and we can fix it. My email address is on my business card. I tell them all, grab a business card. If we don't do what you expect us to do, if it's not the way you think it should be here, email me and tell me because I can't fix it if you don't tell me. So if you'll do that, we'll continue to try to make this better and better. I've been in practices where this was not a priority. We're getting back to people, replying to people and corresponding with them in whatever manner was not the most important thing that happened. And I was determined when I started more family medicine, this would be different. And I believe that it still is. Now, trust me, we are not perfect. We are probably very far from it. But I think we're as close as people in our geographic area will find. I'm, I want to believe we're as close as anybody in the whole Southeast will find. But I really believe that in our area, we do it as well as anybody. And we're not perfect, but we try to be. That's our goal every day is to do things correctly. Do things, again, the way patients expect it and to get back to them in the manner, the timely manner that they're expecting. Because expectations are everything. Now, another thing that has a lot to do, and this is really as much in the office and out, is listening. Listening to the patient. You know, listening doesn't mean telling the patient what they want to hear. It means that you're paying attention to what they're trying to tell you. And a lot of times in the exam room, I'll be talking to the patient, and I'm usually at the computer entering something as they're saying it or I'm thinking it. And I'll just lean back against the wall away from the computer and just listen. Because you have to listen. I mean, everybody knows this. You can't understand what's going on with anybody if you're not listening to them. Uh, so I let the patient take the time that they need to tell their story. And I think patients appreciate that. I know as a patient, I would appreciate that. Uh, so uh, that's what that's what I try to do. I think that's what other providers here try to do. You, as a provider, I need to understand their story and how their particular case affects them in order to try to help them get better. So listening is critical. At the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned that we are now a part of Village Medical. Uh, since the beginning of 2021, we have been uh, a part of Village Medical, and in the next few months, the whole name's going to change, and we're just going to be Village Medical, and I'm very excited about that. This has been a fantastic change for us and for me. Um, 
I think I think it's good for our patients. Uh, we continue to do all the things I'm talking to you about, and I'm doing the podcast, and we'll continue to. And I'm excited to be able to do that with Village Medical Supports. So I appreciate that. I do love to get topic ideas and suggestions. So if you have anything like that, or if you have other comments, doesn't matter what they are, you can reach me two easy ways. The first one is uh, an email to your health MD at gmail.com. And the other is you can tweet the show. We are at to your health MD on Twitter or on the Twitter, as John Ray likes to say. So another of the things that we like to pay attention to as far as taking really good cares of care of patients and what their experience might be like is what in the industry is called quality measures. And this is a term that hadn't really been out there too terribly long, but in recent days, especially with Medicare patients, the insurance companies are paying a lot of attention to whether or not we have screened people for particular problems, whether it's a mammogram, a colonoscopy, an A1C, a PSA for prostate cancer, whatever it might be. And so these are quality measures and insurance companies use them to determine if they're going to pay us what we think they ought to pay us. But we use them to determine if we're doing a good job taking care of patients. So we want a very, very high percentage of our patients to have these screening exams done and to meet these quality measures. And this is actually how I met Village MD, the people with Village MD, who is the the mother company, if you will, of Village Medical. About three and a half or so years ago, it became obvious that as a practice, we needed some help being sure that our patients were getting these things done. It would require a lot of staff we did not have. And so I decided to work with Village MD who had staff who would get in touch with our patients and say, hey, you need to go get a mammogram. Here's an order. We're going to mail it to you. Go get a colonoscopy and so forth. And they really made a big difference. And the quality of our patients' health improved because of doing that. And in the process, I met the people who founded and run Village MD and Village Medical. And then when I found out this was an opportunity to let them take over the business aspect, if you will, of the practice, it just seemed like a really good match. So I'm I'm very happy about that. Now, doing these quality measures and meeting these quality measures isn't just something to do to, to check off a box, but it helps to prevent illness. And that's a whole different aspect of medicine from what we've been practicing since the time of Hippocrates. I mean, doctors have always been in the business of treating illness and we desperately need to be in the business of preventing illness. And when the pandemic happened, it was never more obvious that we needed to be able to take care of people without them even coming into the office. And if we're preventing illness and we're doing screenings and we're, we're doing things that can help people not get sick, we can actually do that without them being here in person. And we learned that by using telemedicine, and really in a pretty much a no-choice situation back in April of last year. Another thing here at our practice that we, we do is we have three physician assistants and one nurse practitioner. And whether you call these people mid-levels or advanced practice providers, which is the technical term nowadays that the government uses and insurance uses, we have been blessed to have fantastic uh, PAs and nurse practitioners here at the practice. Uh, Right now, we've got the best group I've ever worked with in my entire life. 
and they see patients independently. They have patients who call up and they'll say, no, I do not want to see Dr. Morrow under any circumstances. I want to see Jamie or Marianne, Emily, Jessica. I want to see one of these women and, and they will take incredibly good care of them. And, and so they do have their own patient population. And to me, that's part of giving people what they want is part of that experience and making it a good experience. So although they have their own practice and their own patient population, if you will, we all talk as a group. We chat and text as a group. We consult as a group. But at the same time, they have patients that only want to see them. And these women are Jamie Cutter, who's been uh, with me since she got out of school uh, 20 years ago. Uh, she had a little time when she went off to raise a family and work a little part-time and I was doing something different and so forth, but we're back together and she's here and we love her. Marianne Simpson, who was in my former practice and went to great lengths to join us here. And Emily Downs, who's a Clemson grad. You would love Emily. I don't care what your philosophy, what your affiliation is. Emily's fantastic and young and newly trained and bright. And then Jessica Kuhn is our nurse practitioner who brings that whole nursing clinical care uh, mindset to the exam room. And it's, it's a little different from what you get from some other people. So it, it's a really good blend. And I think it really gives people an opportunity to get whatever it is they're looking for here at Mara Family Medicine. And one of the last things I want to talk about is, is what's called population health. Population health is another term that's fairly new in the industry. It refers to the health status and the health outcomes of a group of people rather than the health of one individual person at a time. For public health practitioners, improving public uh, population health involves understanding and optimizing the health of the population broadly defined by geography. So some of the components of that, they have an emphasis on primary care. It's important when you're studying population health to be sure that the people in your geographic area have a family physician, a primary care physician, or a primary care group that they go to no matter who they might see there. It's a, a data-driven environment because the data is what tells people whether or not they are actually doing well, whether or not people are healthy and so forth whether that's the percentage of your patients that get admitted to the hospital or the percentage of patients that get readmitted to the hospital or whatever it might be. There is physician leadership involved with population health. And I think that's important because it, again, goes from the top down. And if you've got somebody at the top that's stressing the importance of these things, it's a lot more likely to get done. Innovation is very important with population health. If it weren't for all this technology that I was hammering John about a minute ago when my microphone wouldn't work. If it wasn't for the technology, we wouldn't be able to study population health at all. We provide a portal for our patients, and it's actually a, a very good, easy portal. I actually got a message from my primary care provider today on my portal. I was excited to see that my lab work was normal. Uh, Peggy, my lab work's normal, by the way, so that's great. Uh, we have a thing called Village at Home. Uh, Village at Home is part of, obviously, Village Medical, where if you have a problem and you can't get to the office, instead of home health going, which is uh, a nurse going to check vitals and do wound care and that kind of thing, they will send a PA or nurse practitioner out to your home to see you. 
And I'm very willing to say there's not every practice out there that can do that. So I'm very excited about that as well. So these are the main things that make the patient experience what it is in our particular practice. And I, I think we come to work every day trying to make it better. Uh, we come to work every day trying to make patients at least not feel worse, as I said, for coming to the doctor. And, and so it's something that we continue to, to concentrate on. That's pretty much what I have on the patient experience. But it did occur to Peggy and myself, my wife and myself, last night that, and this was really her idea, that we really need to share with you the best homemade vanilla ice cream recipe ever. And I'm not being facetious. I'm not kidding. This is a, and it'll be on the, in the show notes. Uh, but I, I want you to know this is the best homemade ice cream you'll ever have. It, I'm not going to read through the menu uh, or the recipe, but because it will be in the show notes. But basically, it's vanilla ice cream. And if you ever have it, you will absolutely die for it. You take vanilla extract, condensed milk, evaporated milk, sugar, eggs, and whole milk. What can possibly go wrong there? Put them in a mixer, cream them up, add the things together, vanilla, put it in the churn. 30, 40 minutes later, you've got vanilla ice cream. You stick it in the freezer, let it harden. This is worth listening to the podcast for. Because I'm telling you, this stuff is the best thing you'll ever put in your mouth. So the To Your Health Vanilla Ice Cream Recipe, I'm going to ask John to put that on the show notes with the rest of our notes. And John, that's pretty much where I am. Well, now, i got to ask about the recipe first. Is that Peggy's recipe? It is. Okay. So that means I'm going to try it. So good. <laughs> well, you should. Okay. You should come up to the Blue Ridge when you get your vaccine and and let's have some ice cream. I got number two's coming. Um, yeah. So, um, so just a question about you were talking about the practice and how you how you run it. So, you know, there's probably a lot of folks that they don't know the difference between the physician assistant, um, a uh, nurse practitioner. I mean, what what are what are the differences? Explain that just in general. Well, the differences are subtle, mm. but the, the difference really is a physician assistant has training more like what you get in medical school. It's, it's sort of collapsed into a time frame, but it's really more like what you get in medical school. It's a straight clinical science education uh, with the emphasis on seeing patients and taking care of problems and uh, and, and dealing with the same things that the docs do on a regular basis. The, the difference really, and, and this is my experience, and I'm, I'm sure that people who know nurse practitioners and are nurse practitioners are going to disagree to a degree with this, but in my experience, at least, nurse practitioners are more nurses. They are nurses to begin with. They become an RN, then they go on to get a graduate degree and become a nurse practitioner. And when they're a family nurse practitioner, like Jessica is, who's with us, Jessica Kuhn, their background is in nursing. And the background in nursing gives them the desire and the inclination to do more education, to do more uh, explanation, to to handle things from just really a, a slightly different angle. 
And for some patients, that is exactly, for many patients, actually, that's exactly what they're looking for. And for some patients, it, it, it and some can't tell the difference. Uh, but that's pretty much what it is. It's a very fine difference. It's not a great big difference at all. So when I came, when I came to you as a patient several years ago, um, I came from a practice that was corporate owned and I could tell that this doctor was not in a good mood (laughs) and he actually retired after not long after I left as a patient. Um, you're talking about your experience with village medical and I mean, you know, that you knew them for years before, but you're talking about what a great experience you've had. It just, it it really speaks to the fact that patients need to understand kind of what the underlying issues are with their practice, right? I mean, who, who owns their practice and whether that's good for those uh, doctors and nurses and PAs or not. Right. Right. I agree. So how, how does a patient figure that out? Well, that's a good question. A little research, I suppose. Um, that's really the only way I know to do that. Now, a lot of the practices in our area and most areas that are not privately owned are owned by a hospital. And I think in the majority of cases, the experience in those practices is pretty much the same, no matter where you might go. Um, And I I think what Village Medical offers is an experience that is different from that. Uh, It has a different basis. Uh, Village MD was started by a family doctor in Texas. It wasn't a big, huge corporation, although it's growing. But it wasn't a big, huge corporation to start that just gobbled up practices for this, that, or the other reason. Um, And and so it, it is very different. But I think the only way to know that is to really to do some research or ask me when you come in the exam room, I'm happy to talk about it. Um, but I, I think, I think that's probably the best way to handle that. But uh, John, I have to tell you though, uh, after I saw you in the exam room, I seriously thought about retiring myself. <laughs> uh, totally understand why that guy would do it. Yeah. yeah I, I'm surprised I'm still on the rolls at your place, but, uh, uh, anyway, uh, you, you talked about, listening and how important that is. And I would imagine, uh, you're a, uh, as much as psychologist sometimes as you are a medical doctor in a, in a way, right? I mean, you, you, cause you've got to, sometimes you have to tell people what they don't want to hear. True. True. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's a large part of the job, mm-hmm. uh, a, a very large part of the job, whether you're delivering news or you're, uh, helping them in their reaction to news or you're searching for information. Uh, you know, the job is in large part talking. And so, yeah, that, that absolutely comes up. And of course, you know, 12 months into a pandemic, we see so many more people today who are dealing with psychological things, mm-hmm. uh, anxiety, depression, all that, you know, loneliness is huge. And, uh, and so we are doing a lot more of that, but the job's always been, a lot of psychology and therapy in the exam room. Well, good stuff. Well, I've enjoyed being a patient. I just speaking for myself, if I still am assuming 
you haven't purged me from the rolls. We're going to see how the rest of this podcast goes. Go <laughs> well, I just may call Jessica and let, let you not worry about it. How about that? <laughs> well, you would enjoy it. I okay. Promise. okay. Good deal. Well, I think that's what we've got for today. All right. So everybody, I really appreciate you listening. Thanks so much for your time. And for now that is to your health. <laughs>